Welcome to NetFront Presence, the Nick Letty edition. Uh, we're ready here with the uh, beat reporters, Jim Thomas, back in the STL, Tom Timmerman. And uh, guys, as expected, it was an eventful trade deadline for the Blues. A lot of talk about a lot of guys at the end of the day. JT was Nick Letty, a guy who's played in the top four in, in the past. Uh, a solid player, maybe not the most physical guy in the world, but certainly a capable puck mover. Yeah, yeah, and uh, at least for this season, and maybe going forward, that you know you kind of see the personality of of the Blues hockey team. I mean, if you if you wanted a big body that was gonna 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 keep the uh, the net clean and, and knock guys around, it's not uh, it's not Nick Letty, uh, but I think uh, surpassing even that in uh, Doug Armstrong's mind was he 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 wanted experience, he wanted experience for the for the playoffs. And, uh, uh, you know, he got it. I mean, this guy's played a zillion. He's played a, a zillion playoff games, won a cup, been in conference finals. And, uh, you know, with the Tory Krug situation now, we, we don't know exactly what his injury is at this point. Uh, uh, they're probably even uh, happier uh, uh, that they got him. Although, uh, judging from the instant reaction from uh, Blues fans, which never ceased to uh, amaze and uh, entertain me. Uh, the the initial reviews were not great on the Nicoletti trade. Yeah, well, if there was a way that they could just use him to move the puck, that would probably be good. If there was a way to have him jump on the ice, bring it out of the zone, and carry it up, you know, then and utilize that. But it's like the other parts of the game. Is he going to be strong in front of the net? You know, I don't know that he's going to bring those things. Um, you know, I, he has certain aspects. He's going to be great on the power play if they need him there. But if you're looking to get heavier in, in front of the goal or on the top pairing, I'm, I'm not sure that he's going to be uh, the answer there. But he's got experience. Well, JT, you, can't, you can't question that. He's, got, he's been there. Right. Well, you know, JT, the, the problem with that type of defenseman that Tom's describing, that we've all described here for, for weeks and weeks and weeks on the, on the net front and on our live chats and such, you know, the need for that type of guy, prices were high. For that type of a player and Doug Armstrong seemed to uh, stick to his guns about not wanting to, to, to make a certain type of trade. And in the end, he, he moves a guy that was probably vulnerable anyways, and Oscar Sundquist because of future cap concerns, uh, the much discussed Jake Waldman, who seemed like the odd man out uh, and became the odd man out again. It seemed like this was a, about paying the right price uh, to get a player and not crossing that line, JT. Yeah, he, he definitely uh, showed some uh, uh, showed some restraint. Uh, I, I think the term he used was dollar for dollar. You know, you, whatever whatever you uh, paid out, you had to send the same amount of cap room to to whatever the uh, uh, the team was. And and boy, the the price for uh, uh, you know the the three defensemen, I think generally uh, uh, considered to be ahead are better uh, trade. Uh, deadline guys than uh uh than letty was pretty high you know for uh uh hampus lindholm and and uh uh for sure but but also sherrod and and uh, even mark uh, G uh giordano so uh he he didn't want to do that they they you know they the, the the blues drafted pretty well and uh it looks like there's carryover it just wasn't the magic of bill armstrong because zachary balduke who who was not 
uh, part of the Bill Armstrong tenure. Uh, uh, looks like he's a, he's a very promising uh, prospect. So, uh, yeah, he kept it. And, you know, when you looked at who could you really trade, they're probably not going to trade. They're probably not going to want Scandella. I think we all, we, we all agreed on that. Uh, they, you know, you're there. A lot of the top nine, you're just not going to trade them. You know, I mean, you just got Saad and he's been playing very well. You just got Beach Navy. He's been playing well. And you can go down the line, Peron, O'Reilly, Shen, Thomas, Cairo. And it kind of left two guys in, in top nine. And, and, and that would be a Barbashev and Sunquest. Maybe, maybe Sonny, not a top, uh, a top nine. And so, uh, Sonny's out and, uh, man, he looks, he I saw some of the stuff on social media. It just don't, it, it don't look right. Uh, Jeff seeing him wearing, uh, your, your Detroit, uh, the team you grew up with the Detroit Red Wings jersey. Yeah. I, I'd have been fine as the way, as the way things played out, if, if the blues hadn't done anything, uh, you know, neighbors and bull Duke, I think are guys you don't want to give up. You know, I don't even know that I'd want to give up on Perunovic just yet, though his his injuries, you know, have to give you some level of concern going forward with him. But um, yeah, I mean, I you know, Mikola maybe not the greatest guy there, but I don't know that it's you know that it's been a leaps and bounds improvement by getting uh, Nick Letty. You know, there's what they call you know in in these kind of things, you know, action bias. If you you got to do something, you got to make a move. You're not making a move. You're not you know, doing all you can do to get better. Uh, and so Armstrong made a move. And when you think about it, when you look at how the dollars worked out, you know, guys like Giordano, they could never get because they, you just couldn't get enough retained salary or the Blues were going to have to trade even more guys uh, to be able to handle someone like that. So uh, their hands were tied and it, it was going to kind of come back to a guy like uh, Nick Letty, as it turned out. And JT, you mentioned earlier, you know, the situation with Tory Krug uh, is always it, every time a guy gets a whack on the hand or the wrist and uh, is, is, is an extreme pain, you worry about it. Now, Max Pacioretty had that happen and or uh, Jack Eichel rather had that happen and he came back the next game. He was OK, uh, but it can also be a long term problem. So, one, that's a huge cloud over the team. And, and again, as to your point. You know, Letty's the kind of guy that can at least uh, help with the puck movement piece, which would really be a problem if, if Krug uh, has to miss time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, he, supposedly he was getting reevaluated today, Krug, to, to see what it was. But yeah, it could be uh, it could be a couple of months. It could be the rest of the regular season if, if there's something fractured or, or, or broken there. And, and, and certainly the just the, the optics weren't good. As you, as you saw it play out, but yeah, so they have Letty who can give you 20 minutes a game. Uh, you, what you do is you just put Mikola right back with Bortuzzo on the third pairing. And I, I guess you'd have to, you know, obviously call up someone from, uh, 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 Springfield. And I guess that would be, uh, uh, Kelly Rosen, uh, that you could bring up and, you know, it's then at least serviceable when, when he's, 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 he's come up to the team for, a uh, a couple, three, uh, uh, a couple three games so yeah we'll 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 see where that uh, takes him i i think mikola myself has made just significant progress this year but he you know he still has some unevenness to his game which is totally uh totally understandable how we see, we see it with uh with thomas and Cairo at times when they have a defensive lapse or or something but uh 
you know, I, I think if they have to play Mikola and they're playing him on the, uh, the third pairing, he'll, he'll be just fine. And, and back when we're on the Letty front, and we've seen times throughout the season when the Blues can't get the puck out of their own end. So a guy who can get the puck out of their own end will, on a couple times uh, each game, maybe serve a very valuable purpose on uh, either whether he's skating the puck out of the zone or passing it out of the zone, which is something Nick Letty can do. So uh, there is some benefit uh, there. Well, I was Jeff, can, I, can I just say I have a little bit of Jacob Chikrin nightmares. Remember, I, I, a couple times on the net when I talked about his minus 27, the first thing that struck me with Letty was minus 33. Yeah. Can that all be because the team is crappy around him and the players? I mean, so I do wonder about that, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously the winged wheel has hit a few potholes this year, but that's still disconcerting. You know, the good news, he's, he's had to play a lot. Uh, the bad news is, well, it hasn't always gone well. And I do think back to the, the Pittsburgh game where they got pinned in for much of the third period and think that, of course, that was on everybody that that happened, but uh, you're going to need guys that can, can figure out a release. So we'll, we'll see. And, you know, with the whole Scandella thing, I mean, yeah, difficult to move, but also a guy that ultimately uh, you're going to have veteran depth where you're not having veteran depth with Jake Wallman. So, um, you know, certainly uh, the blues uh, fans aren't exactly uh, planning the parade route, but um, the team remains viable. Guys, how do we uh, start with you, JT? How do you explain the uh, one, the, the two, four, and three rut, which was really um, unsettling because it just there was just a lot of bad stuff in there. And then you know it's and it started not the best against a good Capitals team. Suddenly they seem to find what they are supposed to be doing well. Um, how did that happen? And are you convinced that they figured it out? You know, I think David Perron is the guy that's really on to this, what, the essence of the problem. He's talked about it a lot. He was impassioned. Of course, he's impassioned about just about anything. That's just his personality after the Columbus game. That they got to, you know, when the play's not there, that they have to get back to playing, you know, the, the blues hockey that we know, uh, you know, uh, uh, grinding game, a responsible game, is supporting your teammates, uh, you know, on the ice you know, not patting him on the back, but supporting him on the ice. And, uh, uh, you know, if the play's not there, chip it in and, and, and go grind it. And it, it was very frustrating to him. And, you know, to the point where he said, we're not going to go very far in the playoffs if we, we don't get to that. And so uh, they, they got away, they got away from it and somehow they got back to it. And it was, uh, I maybe astounding is too strong of a word, but just, you know, these were the Washington Capitals, okay? Kuznetsov, uh, Ovechkin, all those guys. 21 shots on goal. That's all they had last night. 21 shots on goal. That's the, They were shut down after that first period. I think it was 23 to 8 in shots on goal, uh, the final two uh, 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 periods. The low, uh, third lowest shots on goal the Blues have allowed an opponent this season. And uh, one of Perron's point is, hey, the defense will be a lot better when we have the puck, when we're playing our possession game, uh, when we're controlling the puck. And that's pretty much what happened the, the last two periods of the game. So can they keep this up? Can they do it more often than not? Much more often than not? Are we only going to see it once every 10 games? If they play like that, if they play uh, that style of game, and, and that doesn't mean you can't have skilled players. Look at 
look at the sod play where he, where he, where he split two defenders and, and uh, almost went coast to coast. It doesn't mean you, you, you can't have that, but if, if they have that style, they're, they're going to be a dangerous team. This remains a team that in the 60 minutes, putting together that full 60 minutes just hasn't happened last night. Probably a good 50 minutes. I'd say the first 10 minutes of the first period were not particularly inspiring. And after that, they figured it out. So that was actually a good thing for them, 50 out of 60 minutes. But there's a lot of times where there's just periods in which they just don't generate anything. And that's where they got to figure out as to, you know, what's missing in those periods and how to get out of it and do something. But when they have periods where they're getting two or three shots on goal, there's almost no way to win. When you're doing that, I mean, you just spend so much time in your own zone in those cases that you're, you're going to give up goals. And unless your goalie is standing on his head, you're going to be in big trouble. And speaking of goaltenders, um, the one thing I've noticed, well, I mean, you all notice, we all notice this about, uh, about Huso is when things get bad and, and they've been bad in some of these games during the rut, uh, maybe he's getting beat, but he's not going for a swim. He's not, you know, losing his stick. He's not um, flipping over like a, you know, carp on the boat dock, um, that sort of thing. You know, he, he stays a little more, you know, he, he stays even when things are going horribly and he's getting beat. Um, you know, he still seems under control. Is, is that why we're seeing what we're seeing? And how do you, JT, how do you assess the goaltending right now? Is this, you know, after a tough performance, you come back and, and, and you play well in front of the guy and you win. Is this, is this, is this the guy now? Is Billy the guy? Well, you know, it's been, it's been, Jeff, it's been a moving target in that for, for the longest time, uh, or, or a fairly significant amount of time, they're alternating, you know, who so one game and then, then Bennington, but not now. And just kind of quietly, I think it's, uh, it's either five out of the last six or six out of the last seven. It's been Huso, uh, and you know, I actually thought. Remember, starting with that, the last time they played Philly, who they're playing tomorrow night in Philly, and Bennington had his uh, nostalgic, triumphant return there. I, I, you know, Bennington's hasn't been, you know, fantastic, but he's been pretty good. And uh, you know, he had the one four goal game a couple of games back, but it's it, it, it's it's interesting that uh, to kind of see all of the switching back. Uh, to Huso. Now, there, there are still some back-to-backs. I think there are four back-to-backs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it definitely seem, seems like the pendulum has has uh, swung over to V-Lake. Yeah, it's five out of the last six. Um, yeah, yeah, I would think we would see Bennington because it's Philadelphia tomorrow night. That, that would be the magic <laughs> of the Flyers uh, would bring him back in. Uh, and then I guess we might not see him again until the back-to-backs next weekend in Alberta. Um, yeah, I, I thought I, I thought that he would get the, the Columbus game. I thought we'd see Bennington there, and he didn't. And, we're, you know, we're at a point where every point matters. Second, third, and fourth in the Central Division are not separated by much. And I think the Blues right now are looking at, we need every point we can get in that race. And right now the answer for that is Ville Husso and, and not Jordan Bennington. You know, JT, we've, we've talked a lot this year about how, uh, you know, the, the team has transitioned to the Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo generating lots of the, uh, the energy here lately. Robert's got sick. And, uh, but it's really been interesting to see the, uh, as you, you know, the old reliables, and you've pointed this out several times in the net front, but they've really, really stepped up. Obviously, David Perron's been super hot, but Braden Shen's maintained his 
uh, upswing. It um, he sustained that surge. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's uh, playing well, and you know you, you mentioned Sod's tremendous individual effort, but he, well, he's been real steady. He's been exactly what you wanted. And you look up and see who who wins you a game that you had absolutely getting desperate for a win against a really good team, uh, and a falling behind against a really good team in a tough atmosphere. Uh, and then those are the guys that stepped up. So I, I guess that's a great sign. I mean, not to say that it's on, uh, it was a fault of Cairo or the absence of Thomas. Um, you know, that was a big concern. But it's just it's just good to see that those those veterans are are getting into the right mindset as the playoffs get close. Yeah, you know, 20, 20 games left left to, left to go. But uh, you know, if you're if you're looking at it as uh, okay, it's 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 crunch time, whatever. And here we go; these guys are stepping forward. It, it's got to be uh, an encouraging sign. Like like Tom said, this this is crazy. If you if you were blue and you went to bed early Monday, and hell hell a heck, uh, Baruby mentioned it. You wake up and you're you go from second place. You're you're in the wild card spot, and then. Uh, with last night's game, uh, with Nashville losing and Minnesota was off, you win and you're back in second place. <laughs> it might be this way uh, uh, all the way down the stretch, and and you've got a lot of guys that have been there before. One of the most interesting things I thought that uh, Doug Armstrong said in his trade deadline uh, 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 Zoom call ha- had nothing to do about trades. He was talking about Thomas and Cairo and said that, you know, they have to learn that, you know, You've got to be, especially this time of year, you got to be on your game, not three out of every five games. You got to be on your game five out of five games. For as wonderful as Thomas and Cairo have been this year and the progress they've made, there's still games where they fall back into some of those old habits defensively, uh, you know, where, where they're floating and uh, where, where they're kind of, uh, you know, maybe waiting to, to poach a puck and take off uh, uh, the other way. And, uh, so yeah, it, it's it, it helps to have veterans uh, uh, this time of year. There's 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 no doubt about it. Yeah, among the things we've said, I think all year long, the Blues have to get stuff out of Shen and have to get stuff out of Perron. Those are two of the most valuable guys on this team. If they are producing, that carries a lot of th- a lot of weight with this team. Uh, helps them in a lot of situations. So the fact that those guys have come around is going to be one of the big keys coming down the way. And, you know, the Blues have, like, I think, have kind of almost learned what to do when Thomas or Kyrie aren't there. But if they get stuff out of Shannon Perron, those are almost always timely goals that have a big impact. So um, I think that's that's going to be a big thing for the Blues over this last five weeks. Before we talk some more about the trade deadline, we do want to acknowledge the contributions of, uh, of one Nathan Walker, not only for – one of our most uh, loyal and vigilant uh, chatters on stltoday.com, but, uh, but, you know, a personal favorite of, of Jim Thomas. And it's like magic. Every time you, uh, you call on Nathan Walker, he adds some energy. Now sustaining that energy might be a different matter, but uh, I don't know. I'm starting to look at this and think that this is a guy that is uh, going to be on the roster for the playoffs. And I, I would be shocked to see him get uh, tossed into a game or two when, if they need a lift during the postseason. I know uh, in terms of size, maybe he doesn't fit the identity of a, you know, the, a fourth liner, but he's so fast. He's so determined out there and uh, he doesn't know that he's like five foot two and wh- whatever he is. I mean, he plays uh, like he thinks he's a big man. I just wonder, uh, and, and I know what you're saying, Jeff, he, he'll come up, he has a sense, instant energy and then his play levels off, but 
do you try to give him a run as a uh, once you have some bodies back as as a fourth liner, uh, just because of the energy that he he brings. He's a fast skater. I mean, a lot of players wouldn't have gotten there for the. I mean, he was really hustling down the ice uh, to get that pass from uh, from Shen. I mean, maybe you try him out on the the fourth line with uh, with Torpchenko and uh, whoever else you have. Uh, Torpchenko definitely has become. Uh, at least early on, one of one of Barubi's favorites, man. There's there's no doubt about that. That and they play, and Barubi's mentioned this. They play in some ways a similar style of game in terms of their skating and determination, except one is you know a lot bigger than the other. <laughs> One's like My. a foot taller, and you know Walker's five eight, I think. And- <laughs> he is. He's about a foot taller. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's not room on the roster for both McKecker and Ann Walker. So if they want to keep Walker, they're good. They have to send down McKeckern. You know, McKeckern's minutes at, have at times pointed to a guy that, you know, when when somebody starts playing five or six minutes a night, then it's like a sure sign you're you're not in the fan club uh, at the at the moment. And McKeckern <laughs> has had some where he approached that. Um, so we'll see. I guess it's a possibility, but I, technically, I think when they get Thomas and Tarasenko back, they, they may have to. They got to send somebody down uh, at that point. Uh, just for uh, for emergency conditions that they called up Walker. So something would have to change possibly as early as tomorrow. Tom, do you get a card from Craig Berube when you make the fan club? You know? <laughs> Alexei Torpchenko, you're hereby named the Craig Berube fan club. Uh, you know, I think it just shows up in your, in your stall when your, your locker, your uniform continues to be hung. Uh, in the locker every day. That's the sign that you're in the Craig Berube fan club. Yeah, yeah. What, what did Berube say? He said uh, 11 minutes from uh, Torpchenko last night, but uh, he said uh, they were 11 good minutes. So he's definitely in the fan club. He may even have an embossed, like, glossy yeah. uh, fan club card. I don't know. He gets more unsolicited praise from Berube than anyone yeah. on this team. I mean, Craig will just bring him up out of nowhere. He'll be talking about someone else saying Torpchenko had a great game. He he is a big fan of the he loves him. I think he's, I think it I think he's got a man crush on him. Just a little bit of a yeah. man crush on him. Yeah, which can't be good news if you're Clem Coston, because no. that's that's that's. What do you think, there. Jeffrey? Maybe maybe get a 65 jersey instead of a 37 jersey. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it is. I tell you what, it's a, it's a great story about how they have just. There's a guy that they've just been patient with. And they were smart to send him back and let him play in Russia, and uh, which worked out well for him. When there was no hockey over here, he uh, he had a productive time, as did uh, Clem. But um, you know, this is a player. It's it's been a process. He just, he's just kept growing, and he's strong and he's willing. And um, if you look around, you see how Minnesota's added uh, you know heft and, and has big guys. You look at Nashville and definitely a football team. Uh, you know, you need some of that. So um, I'm not sure he's going to be Tanner Janot because that, that, that's a really good all-around big player. But, boy, he's, uh, he's earned a place in the Chiefs' heart. And, uh, you know, he, he has an idea what to do out there. He'll shoot the puck. He'll go – I mean, he, he can get uh-huh. in front of the net, set a screen, as he did the other day, set a screen, and then whacked in the rebound. I mean, that was a classic. He just does that, right? Yeah. Set the screen, let the puck get through him, then saves made, then he backhands the rebound, boom. So good on him. Um, want to touch on the trade deadline before we uh, we depart the net front. Um, before we talk about the East, where it was just crazy, the prices, the uh, the the proliferation of weaponry assembled 
in the state of Florida. Huh. Uh, interesting move, JT, with uh, uh, Mark Andre Fleury going up to Minnesota. They give up on Campo Kakinen. Um, Cam Talbot responds with a strong performance against what was left of the Vegas Golden Knights, but clearly Minnesota knows it has to win now if it's going to win because of the cap implications of what they did with Suter and Zach Parise. So this is their year. They got to do something. They know it's going to be tough going forward. Uh, they rent Marc-Andre Fleury. Interesting. And this is a guy that the, the Blues could very well see in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, he agrees to go f- play for Billy Guerin, uh, a guy that he had already had a connection with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, it was a bold move, and uh, you don't normally maybe put Minnesota quite in that category. If you're the Blues, though, and, and maybe he'll get lots of points for the while down the stretch. But if you're the Blues thinking about facing him in the playoffs, I think you're just, okay. He has a, uh, Flurry has a losing record against the Blues over his career. I mean, his, his goals against and save percentage aren't bad, but they do, uh, they, they've done pretty well over him, at least since I've been around uh, uh, the hockey front. So, uh, uh, yeah, but it, 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 it definitely is a, is a move to, to kind of keep up uh, uh, in, in the central, no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, that'll be an interesting situation is how things play out, how they handle the goalies, who gets what games, how many games does Fleury get here uh, down the end. Um, this is this is one of those things that we is we don't know yet, but we'll see as this plays out and how it does affect the central race. Now, JT, you look back east and, uh, you know, like we discussed in the net front, this whole Claude Giroux thing never made any sense for the, for the Blues. It could have made sense for Colorado. He did want to go to Florida and why not? But my goodness, you look at what the Panthers added and then you look at the staggering price that Tampa Bay paid to get a couple of guys they feel like can add an element that they lost from last year's team. Um, my goodness. I mean, you talk about, you know, it's it, you t- that's tough over on that side of the league. Those first couple of rounds are going to be, you know, as good as a cup final. And uh, you just had to step back and say, wow with what Florida and Tampa Bay did. And uh, didn't it, um, I'm kind of blanking out here already. Uh, Boston goes out and gets, didn't they get Lindholm and the, yeah. you know, ex- extend his contract and, and back up the Brinks truck for, uh, for him. Yeah. You look at the top of the East and a part of me is like, okay, are those teams really that good? Or is it because really the bottom half of the East is pretty bad. I mean, you look at Philadelphia, for example, your flyers, they're coming into town, my friends. And, Believe me, I have a Jeff Gordon and Tom Timmerman fan club card, but the Flyers have not won a road game in 2022. That's how bad they are. They have not won a road game in the calendar 2022. They lost like 13 straight. So there are some bad teams in the East. So a part of me wonders, are the the top teams, the Carolinas, is part of that because they're they're beating up on the uh, the bottom half of the division? I, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah, well, that that the first round of the Atlantic Division playoffs when you got Florida, uh, Tampa, and Toronto all, you know, all there. That's going to be one of the whoever ends up playing. Whoever's that two three is going to be uh, a, a great series, and it'd be fun to have it be the Battle of Florida to have Florida and Tampa going in. But Florida looks like they're starting to pull away there. But it, it's going to be fun. I, I mean, at this point in time, you know, as as a someone who appreciates hockey. 
let all the good players go to good teams and let them get better and to have an entertaining postseason. All in favor of that. No, no reason to keep these guys in Philadelphia. Let Drew go and play somewhere else and uh, and, and make it make it more fun for all of us. Well, yeah, and, and JT, you look at you talk about this sheer entertainment value. You have now on one team, you know, Barkoff and, and Huberdo, uh, Giroux, Bennett's uh, been been revived. Duclair's a skate and shoot guy. We saw him in, here in St. Louis at the All Star festivities. It just uh, it just goes on and on. You know, they, they lost Aaron Ekblad, which really stinks for them having that happen again. But they added a couple of nice defensemen on top of. They just kept going. Um, and then I look up and, and I wonder about that, JT, because you you watch games and there's like 14 people out at the game. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I know, I know South Florida is really populated, but it's, it's about the, maybe the worst place I think <laughs> you could put up. Right. Right. Tom. Yeah. Am, am I wrong? Oh, yeah. I mean, why did you put a hockey arena there? I guess the land was cheaper or something. You'd probably have a better chance of like seeing an alligator there on the side of the road. But uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what they were, they were uh, uh, thinking there. You are almost literally across the street from the Everglades. I mean, you go a block past the arena for Florida there in Sunrise, and it is, it is, it's, it's a nature zone. I mean, there's nothing. It is the last stop before you hit swamps. Um, yeah, but I guess the fans weren't going when they were playing in Miami, and so then they were going to move to the suburbs, and the suburbs ended up being an extreme. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a strange situation, but it, it is hard to get to for a whole lot of people. Yeah, the Miami Arena wasn't uh, wasn't uh, marvelous for uh, for hockey, and uh, <laughs> nor was it particularly well located. Uh, and it was rat infested too, as Scott <laughs> Mellenby uh, uh, yes, showed us true. in the uh, the great '96 run. Uh, so yeah, I mean, oh god, oh my. So the memories. So, anyways, the East is going to be awesome. The Central is going to be loaded up. I mean, Dallas not giving up. Minnesota, Nashville. Uh, you know, Winnipeg sitting on the bubble, you know, unfortunately for, for them, but it, you know, gosh, you know, Colorado's Colorado. It's just, it's going to be fun guys. The last few weeks of the season is going to be fun and we'll have all the coverage on stltoday.com and in the post dispatch. We'll be back on the net front. Uh, a reminder that you can get all of our podcasts uh, in our videos. There are more videos than ever on the net in the stltoday.com. And uh, we Please support local journalism. If you don't have a, a subscription, please get one and enjoy all this fine content. So uh, for Tom Timmerman, Jim Thomas, I'm Jeff Gordon. Until next time, see ya.